this weekend. Put the smile upon your face and let Jesus' love fill your heart and flow through you and minister unto others that you come in contact with. Wednesday night we'll be back here again at, at 6 o'clock and we hope that you'll be with us or watching via the internet. Uh, Saturday morning, are we having breakfast, Dennis? Yeah, Saturday morning at uh, Myrtle's at 8.30. And Sister Virginia, are you having your meeting at 10 right here? Okay, so the women's meeting will be at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning right here. So make plans to be there at those if you can. Fellowship with one another because God is uh, calling us to be a people that are not set apart from each other but drawn to each other and uh, making an impact in the world. Right now, Pastor Kevin's going to come. And you want me to share it? Okay. That was Sister Tara. Ta Tanya, I'm sorry. You start with a T. Okay. Come up here, though, so everyone can see you. Okay. Because we are recording. Sister Tanya is in recovery. Amen. <laughs> um, somebody needs to hear this. Uh, I, as Pastor said, I, I am in recovery. If you are struggling with addiction or alcoholism, pain pills, nerve pills, wine, beer, street drugs, you have to come to God because it simply does not matter how many AA meetings and, well, meetings, I want to say that, sorry, or rehabs you've stayed for 30 days or anything you do, you won't get it. You will fail if God is not your, your. he's the first step. It's actually the third on the 12-step program, but you have to have God or you are going to fall on your face. And I just, I don't know who needs to hear that, but somebody does. And maybe there's someone in your life that's struggling and they maybe they relapse over and over and over, but don't give up on them. Please don't give up on them because I finally got it because I, w I had support like you guys. So don't give up and just find somebody to talk to. Amen. Go to God. Thank you. Amen. And God's going to help you and give you strength, and your testimony is part of your strength. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor's coming. Receive. Get ready to receive. All right. Praise God. Let's see if I can set up my little light here. Zach's trying to move me into the 20th first century with uh, my iPad, but I haven't done it just yet. I, I begged off this week. Pray for me this week. On Thursday, I have an eye appointment with Dr. Stuckenschneider, and he's going to examine about these cataracts. And my goal is that I will be able to get them off and get the lenses put on where you don't have to wear glasses anymore. My only fear is that my grandkids won't recognize me. 
without my glasses. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he's moving me into that 21st century where I can use my iPad instead of, uh, he said I could see it better, but I begged off today. I said, well, Zach, I'm just a little nervous about using uh, the iPad today without already getting my eyes fixed. But uh, God is moving. He really is. We may not see a great big crowd here today, but each of you are very important to him. And I've got a message. And Tanya, thank you for your word, pointed word, testimony there, because I think it will go along with what I'm going to be speaking. Uh, the text for today is one I've used in the past, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, and this is the Amplified Bible. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature and reborn. It says reborn, right? Reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many of y'all know you're born again? You're reborn. Amen? Say amen. All right. And you're renewed. That means God's Spirit lives in you, and He is doing a work. And, of course, the, the Scriptures all say, Old things pass away, and all things... It says the old things... The precious moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. You know, a spiritual awakening is what it takes today. We need that spreading, if, if we could put it that way. Did you know that uh, just like sickness spreads, and I don't even know where it all came from. We had a wonderful conference. Then different ones got sick. Some of it, Pastor Ken went to the doctor. He had a sinus infection. Uh, I probably had one because I was coughing and so on. But uh, I got over mine really quick. I mean, it was overnight, Sunday night, and Monday I was back functioning again. Tara and Dave were sick with it and different ones. A couple of people actually tested positive for COVID. Uh, I don't know who all they were around necessarily, but anyway, just different things for different people, but germs get spread around. Sometimes you get it at the grocery store. You could get it at Walmart. You could get it from a neighbor. You, you, know, you don't know where you are getting the, the things that you get. It just goes around. Now, when I was in Mexico, Lee Short couldn't hardly talk when he picked me up at the airport. He said, do you think Tino's busy? I said, well, yeah, he's got a guest speaker named Janice Hicks in for the week, and they're having special services. He said, I was wondering if we could get him to come down and translate for you. I, I said, well, do you have anybody else around here? He said, well, I don't really have anybody else. I guess I'm going to have to do it. And you know what? God touched his throat and touched him and he was able to speak not only translate for me he did his sessions that he was supposed to do at this apostolic congress on the holy spirit 
with those 30 or so pastors from all over Mexico. And, and I tell you what, we had a fabulous time. And I've been stirred up ever since. The pastors from Tijuana especially, uh, they were such humble men. Lee, his ministry actually paid for their airline tickets from Tijuana uh, down to Puerto Vallarta and then out to Mescales where his center is. And it was uh, just, they're just so humbled to be able to be there. But we sat down and we talked to them about their testimonies. And the unique thing about it is they were all part of the cartel originally. Some were human traffickers. Some were drug traffickers. One of them admitted, he said, I was a coyote, what they called the coyote. He would bring them into the United States. And then he said he got arrested, and I think he went to prison for a little bit. But these men, and one of them, the older one, his nickname was the Commandante, he did not say any details of what he had been involved in in his life. He was not proud of his past, but he was gracious and thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ for saving his soul. And God's still in the saving business today. And so we know that we become brand new people when we come to know Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit moves inside of us and he changes us completely. How many of y'all were a rascal in the day? You know, my, well, they're, at least they're admitting it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, now you're saved by grace and mercy, and you are now a new creation. You're not who you used to be. You look like that person, maybe, but God in His grace and mercy has changed you, and He's changed me. And it's different now. That's the topic. That's the title of this message today. It's different now. How many of you know it's been different in your life? You are different. I'm different. I know that. My parents used to sing a song years ago, and I would sing it along with them and my brother and sister. Uh, they sang many songs. The one I didn't like was he's got the whole world in his hands. And since I was the youngest member of the family, about this high, Brother Steve, you might remember First Assembly on Leicester Street. There was, that was the old church. And uh, all my family went there. And Brother Truett was the pastor back in the day. When I was like eight years old, they would sing that song, He's got the whole world in his hands. Nick, I would have to sing the part, He's got the little bitty baby in his hands. I hated that song. I didn't want to sing He's got the little bitty baby. I don't, you know, they would make me sing it. And I think that kept me from doing more singing in my uh, years as a Christian because that, that stuck in my mind. He's got the little bitty baby. And why did I have to sing that part? and act like the little bitty baby, you know. They, everybody thought that was cute. You know. Well, I didn't think it was cute at all. But 
They sang a lot of songs. How big is God? You know, how can you measure God? How big is God? I mean, Lord have mercy. He's so big, he, he's bigger than the whole universe. But we would sing that song, How Big is God? And until then, that was another one. And then uh, my dad would sing. I pulled out one of my grandpa's old songbooks, and it had in the flap, it had a picture of my grandpa and grandma, and then my mom and dad, and, and my brother and sister, and it's because they were printed before I was ever born. I'm 64 years old. Those songbooks are like 65, 70 years old at least. My grandfather actually sold 40,000 hymnals. Can you believe it? It was called T.G. Neal's Favorite Hymns. And uh, my dad was a pastor at the time. On the inside of one flap, he was the pastor at Union, Missouri. That's up off I-44 up north. And he pastored there. And I tell you what, I looked at them. They were good-looking people. I tell you, my dad had slick back, dark brown hair. And my mom, she was nice and trim. And she was a very lovely lady. And I said, you know what? We got some good genetics in our family. But anyway, they sang a lot of different songs. He would sing out that hymnal when he reached down his hand for me. <coughs> it said, I was lost and undone without God and his son when he reached down his hand for me. And he would, he's six foot three, and, and back in the 50s, there just wasn't very many tall people like that. And we have a lot of black and white photos of him baptizing people. And he would wear this, Derby hat. He, all these guys wore derby hats back in the day. But he would baptize people, and they were all like pygmies. You know, they were all shorter than him. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. But he baptized a whole bunch of people that were short. And I think then along came some of these uh, restaurants that probably put some kind of steroids in the chickens or something. Anyway, America took off and began to grow again. But uh, he would sing, and my mom would play the accordion, and uh, they would travel and preach services, different parts of the country, and uh, they really loved preaching the gospel and sharing the good news. But there's another song that we used to sing as a family, and it was called It's Different Now. And that it's different now is a, and I looked for it in a hymnal. I could not find a hymnal where I could find that song. I had to look it up off the internet. And I hand wrote it because I couldn't get my printer to work to print it uh, in my office. But the verse 1 says, Once I was lost in sin, I had no peace within. To save my weary soul, I knew not how. But Jesus came to me, and by his grace, I'm free. Now it's different. Yes, it's oh so different now. What a wonderful verse. You know, and then the chorus said, It's different now since Jesus saved my soul. Yes, it's different now since by his blood I'm whole. 
Yes, it's different now. Oh, Satan has to flee. When Jesus rescued me, by his blood I'm whole. I think I was singing the echo part in with it. But anyway, that they used to echo, you know, when they'd have the quartet type songs. But it's different now since Jesus saved my soul. How about for you? Is it different now than before? I'm sure it is. Verse 2 went like this. It said, I went to church one day to hear them sing and pray. The preacher firmly plowed the gospel plow. He said, you must repent. So down the aisle I went. Now it's different. Oh, so different now. And then, of course, the chorus. It's different now since Jesus saved my soul. It's different now since by his blood I'm whole. Oh, Satan had to flee since Jesus rescued me. Oh, it's different. Yes, it's oh so different now. You know, I think about those guys, every one of them, they just enjoyed being around the presence of God. You know, many times I've preached in places. I preached in Guatemala in 1994. Pastor Ken was with me on that trip along with Jerry Hill, my intercessory prayer partner down in South Florida. And it was an amazing trip. We preached in different places. You know, I think that was the trip where I believe I preached in a communist, former communist guerrilla's church. He got saved. And uh, Dario Parrish actually uh, translated for me. But I actually preached in that church where the guy used to be a communist guerrilla and shot people. But God transformed him changed him his life was different because he turned his heart towards Jesus and he had a good church and he even stopped by Miami one time and called me and I went to the airport and met him and sat and had a cup of coffee and and it, it was it was really nice to see how powerful God was but I told brother Parrish Norman Parrish I said why would you invite me I was 30 four years old, I think, at the time, or 36, rather, if I subtract 1994 from 1958, then it comes out 36. But I said, I'm, I'm probably one of the youngest preachers that was at the, the camp meeting. It was outside of Guatemala City on the side of a mountain, and we could see the, the volcanoes in the background spewing fire up in the middle of the night. And that mountain was so hot, Sister Velva, they had pipes underneath all the buildings, clay pipes about like that, and you would see steam coming out because the steam in the actual mountain would come out those pipes underneath floors. You didn't need to worry about your feet getting cold at night if you had to get up and go to the bathroom because the floors were warm. But uh, we were there. We saw those mountains, you know, spewing up out of the volcano fire. And I said, why did you have me 
to come. I was the keynote speaker. And he said, because these men know Jesus and God's forgiven them of their sins and they've been called to preach, but they do not understand and know how to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, by God's grace, I've been fortunate to move in those giftings. And same thing, when I went down on this last trip and all these pastors came, they know the scriptures. They know how to preach. They know a lot of those things. But Lee told me, he said, we'll do the teaching. You preach a little bit and then move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know what? That's pretty easy for me because I don't have a ministry as much without the Holy Spirit gift. And so God has graced me with the giftings of the Holy Ghost to move in. And I'm so thankful because it changes people's lives. And when you prophesy over people, I prophesied over those two sisters down there. uh, and They were part of the praise team. I said, your father left you when you were young. I didn't, you know, I was just saying what the Holy Spirit showed me. One was about 17, 18, the other one was about 15 or 16. And I just told them, I said, your, your daddy abandoned you. And they started crying right away. And I said, and then you lost your mother just a short time ago. And the, the people that were with them even began to cry. And I thought, well, Holy Spirit, uh, you're really saying the truth here. And I found out that the mother had died just like a year before. And that one girl, she was pretty tall, but she just grabbed a hold of my neck and wouldn't let go and just drenched my shirt with her tears. And then the other one was a little bit smaller and shorter. She hugged me and cried on my shirt. I said, well, I guess I won't need to wear this shirt again anyway. But just her tear-stained tears just came all over my shirt. It was just something. You know how the Holy Spirit moves. But it's different when the Holy Spirit comes on the scene. He wants to utilize your life to impact somebody else. You don't have to be a seminarian. I'm so thankful Zach has his master's degree and he wants to get his doctorate. He has a thirst and a hunger for more knowledge and wisdom. And I appreciate it and thank God because... I want to see us develop our ministry classes in school even further into where maybe we can have an online presence one day and we can have, you know, the classes, you know, where like in his university where they do Zoom classes, you know, where people, there's eight people in the class and they're all on the computer getting taught and uh, to where we can even have degreed ministers one day if you want a college degree that you'll be able to get it but it's different when you come to know jesus and the holy spirit enters in you know you can know jesus or you can know about jesus we were raised in church i was raised in sunday school class i tease about hank bowles i say he's a he's a brother from another mother because he and i were in a little actually the nursery together i was one year older and so we were in the nursery we went through beginners classes we went through children 
uh, Sunday school. They didn't have children's church back when I was uh, growing up. They had the kids in the church service, and you didn't cut up. I mean, you got in trouble. My mom took me out a few times and, and uh, introduced me once again to the, the Board of Education to the seat of my learning, you know. But anyway, I, I, I sat in church. And, you know, sometimes I appreciate children's church, but when the Holy Ghost, let me just tell you, when the revival spirit begins moving powerfully, then we may have services several days in a row at times. And the kids can be a part of revival too. And I remember I received the Holy Spirit in filling around the corner of the stage by myself over close to the piano where my mom was playing the piano. And everybody prayed for me. They tried to help me, you know, get the Holy Ghost and all this. And uh, I felt like a failure. So I went around there and I got touched all by my lonesome. And my dad had to throw me over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes and carry me out of that church that night because a revival hit me. And I was speaking in other tongues. And I, I remember I went home and I woke up speaking in other tongues. I was 11 years old, and my life was changed. But that's why when the Holy Ghost comes in, it's different now. He'll make it different for you now. You don't have to stay the same as it used to be. Here's verse 3. It says, Sin's fetters held me fast. The die was almost cast. My uh, proud and haughty spirit would not bow, but just one glimpse of him. It broke the power of sin. Now it's different. Oh, so different now. Have you had a glimpse of Jesus? Have you felt his presence and know the reality of the forgiving power of Almighty God because of the blood of Jesus Christ? And then verse 4, it says, And now my hopes are bright, I praise him day and night, how he could change me. Oh, so I know not how, but praise the Lord, it's done. The victory now is won. Now it's different. Yes, it's oh so different now. I tell you what, the apostles and, and the different ones in the book of Acts, things that took place and happened, you know, and and I, I have it here, I'm not going to read it, but Saul, before he became Paul, was tormenting the church. He was re arresting people. And so, you know, he, he was going about, he had letters to do so, but in the book of Acts chapter 8, it talked about how he was going and arresting people. But there was a man named Philip that wasn't, an apostle, he was a deacon in the church. They had to elect people because the apostles got caught up doing the work of the doctrinal teaching and, and going and, and praying for people. And so they appointed, uh, I think it was seven deacons that would take care of the widows, that would take care of the tables, 
Brother Sherman and Brother Dave, they're good examples of deacons. Well, can you imagine, Brother Sherman, that you got called to go down and preach because you were seeing so many miracles and signs and wonders? Everybody's like, well, Sherman, and usually Sister Virginia's the one doing the teaching, but Sherman's off somewhere. He's driven down the road, and he's seeing miracles happen and signs and wonders. That's how Philip was. He was used to just being a helper, helping serve the tables and serve the widows and taking care of people's needs. But you see, God, when revival moves in, it's different now. It is different because even those who serve tables began to see miracles happen. And so Philip, he went down and he was on the road between Jerusalem and the name of that town, uh, Gaza, or down in Gaza area, that road in between there. Philip was down there and he sees this centurion guy and he was in his chariot and he was one of the guards for the queen of Ethiopia, Candace, and he would protect her treasures. And she was going to Jerusalem. They, they wanted to go there and worship. Did you know Jerusalem is a very spiritual city? It wasn't just for the Jews. Now they have the, the Muslim quarter. They, got the, they have the Christian quarter. They got the Jewish quarter. But it was the center of religions for the world, really. And so they were going to worship, and the, this guy was reading in the scriptures in the book of Isaiah, but he didn't really understand it. Philip came, the Holy Spirit told him. You know the Holy Spirit talks to deacons too. He told him, go over there and to that chariot. And he went over and the guy looked down and he said, hey, can you explain this to me? And so he began to open up the scriptures to him there in Acts chapter 8. And they were going along. He was riding with them in that chariot. They weren't going at a breakneck pace. They were just humdrumming along. And they found some water. And you know what they did, Sister Lois? He said, well, here's some water. Why don't you baptize me? And so they went down into that creek wherever it was, and he, Philip went in there with that uh, Ethiopian eunuch, really is what he was. You know, some people are eunuchs because they choose to be. Others are eunuchs by birth, and some are eunuchs by surgery. And so, you know, uh, you become a eunuch, that means you're not procreating anymore. I'll leave it at that. But anyway, uh, this Ethiopian eunuch was interested in the things of the Holy Spirit and of God. And so they went down in there, Cookie, and he baptized him in water. See, he's putting the scriptures up there on the screen anyway. But when they came up out of the water, Philip was gone. I tell you how many of y'all would like to take a trip like that someday. <laughs> You're here now, you see me, and now you don't. Anyway, the Holy Spirit decided to do a little something powerful. And so Philip 
was translated, is what we call it. It's amazing. But that eunuch came up out of the water, and Philip wasn't there anymore. He began to praise God. His life was changed. It's different now. He's not the same guy he was before he went under the water and came up. Well, Philip wasn't the same either. He was translated, and he was praising God where he was translated to, and he began to preach the gospel down there. I tell you what, I, sometimes I wish I'd translated because sometimes these trips are just too long to drive. And if I had the faith to do that, the only question I have in my mind, do you have faith to come back? You know, uh, anyhow, I was driving one time, you can believe me or not, but I was driving to preach a youth meeting in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. I was coming up from New Orleans, and I was just crossing over the state line there around Hampton and El Dorado and all that, and I was headed up. I'd come through Monroe and Shreveport area and all that, and I was headed to go to Pine Bluff, and I could tell I was going to be an hour late, Pastor Ken, and I was just caught up. You know, I was wanting to be used of the Lord, so I was praying the Holy Spirit along the way, playing Christian music, shouting unto God. I was just rejoicing. And the next thing I know, I look up, and I'm on the outskirts of Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And I was like, how did I get here so fast? Was I just caught up praising the Lord? But I, I tell you what, you know, you can believe it or not, I might have translated about an hour of time. Either God turned time back or he translated me closer. And I tell you what, I've had some wild experiences in the Holy Spirit, visions, dreams, experiences, you know, uh, different ones. You know, I've had visions where I know I was ahead in time and came back to reality. But God, the Holy Spirit, is so powerful. But that Ethiopian eunuch's life was transformed and changed, and so was Philip's. And Philip continued to see miracles happen. And that's when Saul was persecuting the church so terribly that really to preach the gospel, you were taking your life into your own hands. But not really. You were putting your life in the hands of God. And God knows when your time is up. And his time was not up. In fact, he took him and moved him along and let him see some fabulous things. And people, they, they can be changed today when you preach to them. And I've had a lot of people cross my path to where I was able to witness the power of Jesus Christ to them. And they received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I want to challenge everybody here and everybody that's watching over Facebook and YouTube also, to let the Holy Spirit use you. Don't think less of yourself than God thinks of you. He sees you in your purpose and in the perfection of His grace. He does not see you the way you see yourself in your past failures, 
his past sins because see it's different now since Jesus saved your soul it's different now since by his blood you're whole and since his Holy Spirit came in he's given you the victory so that you can win in life and God can make your life better he certainly can and I give praise to him because of that and I just believe if you'll stand with me today that God will give you a touch of the Holy Ghost right where you're at and if you'll lift your hands to him God is faithful and just he is faithful to do what is needed in your heart and life Lord I pray over every person that is here today that you would supercharge their spiritual batteries today that they would be encouraged that you've got a mission and a purpose for them to accomplish in your kingdom God that they can make a difference in their neighbors their friends their families God that they can be a witness of the glory and the grace of God that that all the trying that they've done and they've wondered if it made a difference that Lord you're gonna bring back a harvest to them that seed has to die in the ground and they may think that it fell on deaf ears but Lord somebody in their families and I feel that real strongly right now I see a young woman in somebody's family really crying out to God and saying I really need help and they're going to talk to you in your family a family member and you're going to help them because God wants to transform their lives Lord transform their lives we pray help every one of us to do something that makes a difference and Lord in the name of Jesus let it be now I bless them for they are the head and not the tail they're the blessed and not the cursed they are the redeemed of the Lord and they can go and say so and when they share the word of God it'll taste good Lord and they'll see that your mercy and your grace endureth forever and ever in the mighty name of Jesus amen and amen well be careful out there I know tomorrow is the 4th of July and if you're around fireworks be cautious Sean about got his shoe bone off his foot yesterday a bottle rocket went and shot right into his into a crowd of the guys and anyway anything can happen you know so be careful around fireworks and try to get with your families and I have the trifecta this weekend I had a funeral yesterday we celebrated Eddie's home going today I got to preach uh, a message of hope encouragement and tonight I get to do a wedding up in Van Buren so I call that the spiritual trifecta for a preacher. You get to do a funeral, a church service, and a wedding all on the same weekend. <laughs> Hallelujah. God bless you. God loves you, and so do we. Be friendly with one another.